This episode contains graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hey guys, what's up and welcome to another episode of What the Actual F. My name is Harmony, and as always, I'll be your host here. So last week, I did something different. Usually, I sit and tell you all about a true crime. But that is not what this podcast is about. This podcast is called What the Actual F because I find things in the world that make me stop and think, what the fuck did I just read? Now, oftentimes, that does surround crime. And let's face it, the reason behind that is because crime leaves you going, what the fuck? Why? Why'd you shoot them over an Oreo? Like, let's be real. But that doesn't mean there isn't other things out there that leave me going, what the fuck? Like last week, I told you all about some of the craziest conspiracy theories that I could find on the internet. And hey, I enjoyed the episode and also learned that a lot of people still heavily believe that dinosaurs roam the earth. And I'm not talking about your grandma puttering down the hallway. So what I wanted to do this week was continue on the weird things I find on the internet that aren't just crimes. So by now, you're probably wondering, okay, Harmony, where are you taking the podcast this week? Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you. This week, our episode centers around the Mandela Effect. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, Are you ready? It's showtime. Now I know plenty of you know exactly what the Mandela Effect is. But for the ones that do know, there is at least one of you that does not. And if this is your first time hearing about the Mandela Effect, welcome, because you are about to dive into a very deep rabbit hole. All right, without wasting any more time, let me go ahead and tell you exactly what the Mandela Effect is. The Mandela Effect is an unusual phenomenon where a large group of people remember something differently than how it actually occurred. Now, conspiracy theorists believe that this is proof of an alternate universe or multiverse. However, many doctors use it as an illustration of how imperfect the memory can be sometimes. I'll give you a little example to kind of get the ball rolling so you can get a taste of exactly what the Mandela Effect is. Let's talk about Chick-fil-A. Praise the Lord in the South, praise the Lord in the South, praise the Lord in the South, praise Where Christians go to eat six days a week. It's my pleasure. Yelling from the streets. Praise the Lord in the South, praise the Lord in the South, praise the Lord in the South, praise the Lord in the South. I don't even care what you charge. Lemonade, give me extra large. Chicken nuggets all in my face. I'ma max out my credit card. Chick-fil-A sauce, finger licking. That big cow says eat more chicken. Another sandwich, man, I'm spoiled. Baptize me in peanut oil. Ring me up, extra fries, extra sauce. It was extra wise. We want you to drive those Big Mac trucks straight through our drive-through line. Our ice cream is a dream. Tastes so good, I could 
screen. No need to cook, no need to clean. Chick-fil-A provides what you need. Ask me, follow me, order right beside of me. Quick pull forward, cause the line moves rapidly. Tell us how to make it, I enter order joyfully. It's my pleasure, happy customers is the key. Praise the Lord in the sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peach milkshake, it'll get no better. The employees outside in all kinds of weather. Rain, snow, or shine, saying it's my pleasure. I'm from the top, extra sauce, yelling it's my pleasure. Chicken minis can't be topped, yelling it's my pleasure. Employees walk, 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 yelling it's my pleasure. Macaroni hits the spot, yelling it's my pleasure. Eat more chicken, y'all. It's my pleasure, ma'am. Bye, bye now. Okay, before I can even really get into this episode, I need to just go ahead and say right now, you guys are going to hear some noises in the background. I am sorry about that, but they are working on the plumbing where I live. So I'll do my best to distract you with the actual episode, and you do your best to just ignore them. That's right, this episode is a team effort. You ignore them, and I'll distract you. So now that we've established that, let's go ahead and get back to the episode. All right, guys, I'm going to need you to use your imagination for this. Imagine opening a Chick-fil-A bag. You pull out the contents and right there on the packaging are red letters. They say Chick-fil-A. But how is it spelled? I'm going to give you a little bit of time on the clock to finalize your answers. Okay, now that I hope everybody has their final answers, if you said anything other than C-H-I-C-K-F-I-L-A, you would be incorrect. And that's it. That is the Mandela effect. You see, the majority spelled it with C-H-I-C or C-H-I-K when asked, how do you spell Chick-fil-A? Now, honestly, this could be just chalked up to a bunch of us being idiots because, I mean, let's face it, we probably are. But a lot of people really believe that Chick-fil-A, when they see it in their head, is simply C-H-I-C-F-I-L-A. And I'm not going to lie, I remember it this way as well. Whenever I see Chick-fil-A and I see the K in there, it really throws me off. It kind of makes me uncomfortable. And honestly, I'm probably just an idiot and just wish that it was spelled the other way because it looks better. It makes it stand out. And that's probably honestly why I think that. But I don't know. How did you spell it? And does this one make you think that maybe we shifted into another universe or that a lot of us just don't have good memories? Now, I want to bring up something along with this Mandela effect. In the world of Mandela effects, there is something called residue. Residue is considered to be proof of a Mandela effect. This means that somebody has absolute defining proof that what they're stating they remember is able to be shown. And people say that this is residue being left over from probably another like multiverse that we were in and we shifted. Therefore, this is the leftover residue of what once was and what we are left believing. Now on Reddit, the Mandela effect is talked about a lot and Chick-fil-A is in heavy debate on there. And people have posted plenty of receipts, even emails from the company itself. And the spelling does show C-H-I-C. So I don't know what you believe, but Chick-fil-A claims they have always spelled it the exact way that we see today. C-H-I-C-K 
F-I-L-A. But what do you think? How did you spell it? If you still have an open mind and want to continue to hear more Mandela effects, then don't go anywhere. But first, we've got to get down to business so your girl can continue to pay her bills. And let's hear from our sponsors. And now a word from our sponsors. If you've got skin and if you've got hair, then I've got some products for you. How was that for an intro to an ad? On a real note, guys, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about one of my sponsors today. I'd like to tell you all about Doom and Groom. This company is a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. All of their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use from head to toe. Everything is made with the intention of keeping your hair and skin healthy and hydrated. And that's not a joke, guys. I have been using this product for about two and a half weeks now, and I have never had better feeling skin. And the tattoo balm is incredible. I have tattoos on my body that are upwards of 15 years old, and they look like they are maybe two months old. I will never recommend you a product that I have not personally tried or would not spend my own money on. And don't worry, these products are not just for women. All of Doom & Groom products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic, packaged in a reusable metal tin. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Go over to doomandgroom.net. Take a gander at their products. See if anything catches your eye. I mean, after all, we might not all have hair, but we all have skin. And just because you're thirsty doesn't mean your skin needs to be. Haha, <laughs> come on. That was a good joke, guys. I know someone out there laughed, and that's all that matters. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and use the promo code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off of your purchase. Okay, now that business is out of the way, let's get back to the show, guys. Now that you have an idea of what the Mandela Effect is, let me fill you in on more of the background of the Mandela Effect itself. The Mandela Effect was sort of named after itself. Okay, that probably sounds weird, but it's because of Nelson Mandela that the coin was termed. But it's because of Nelson Mandela and a mismemory, if you will, that caused this effect. Alright, did I confuse you enough? Let me help you out. Fiona Broom, one of the people who coined the term and launched a website in 2009 to document the phenomenon. She explains that the Mandela Effect is what happens when someone has clear memory of something that never happened in this reality. In her explanation of the Mandela Effect, Broom cites how she and a number of other acquaintances have clear memories of activist and former South African president Nelson Mandela dying in prison before his actual passing, complete with a televised funeral. Evening for 27 years, six months and six days he had been a prisoner. During that time he became a legend, a symbol of black resistance to apartheid and to many he became a martyr. Tonight he is a free man. Nelson Mandela, the leader of the African National Congress, he walked out of a prison on a gloriously sunny South African afternoon and there is general agreement that his freedom begins a new era in South Africa. However, in reality, Mandela passed away in 2013 from a respiratory tract infection. This is what brought the question, 
how can so many people, strangers even, have the same memory of something that didn't happen as they remember? Hello South Africans, our beloved Nelson Holihlahla Mandela, the founding president of our democratic nation, has departed. In the televised address on Thursday, the South African president announced the death of the world's most revered statesman, Nelson Mandela, at the age of 95. An hour after Zuma's announcement, U.S. President Barack Obama, who often referred to Mandela as a personal inspiration, heaped praise on his hero. He achieved more than could be expected of any man. And today he's gone home. We've lost one of the most influential, courageous, and profoundly good human beings that any of us will share time with on this earth. So how is it that so many people recall Nelson Mandela dying in prison instead of at the age of 95? Let's go ahead and continue with these Mandela effects. And if you wouldn't mind, have an open mind yourself and see if these affect you. All right, listeners, who out there remembers Curious George Okay, I need you to use your imagination for a minute. Now, if you know and remember Curious George, I want you to picture what he looked like in the books. You can even think of what he looked like in the cartoons. Now, here is the debate. Was Curious George illustrated with or without a tail? Do not use Google. Don't be a stick in the mud. Play along. It's okay. I won't tell anyone if you're having fun, I promise. Okay, the answer is many remember Curious George has a tail. However, he doesn't. Not even in the books that are written by H.A. Ray. No Curious George has ever had a tail in fact. Obviously, if you go to the internet, you can find it, but that is something that fans have made. But as far as Curious George himself in any illustration, he has not ever had a tail. Are you one of the people that thought he did? I'm curious to know. I would really love to know if you thought that he had a tail or not, because when I asked one of my friends, and I quote, her response was, are you fucking kidding? No, that monkey had a tail. He's a monkey. So I'm curious, what do you remember? So obviously if I'm gonna do an episode about the Mandela effect, I have to include the biggest one. The Berenstain Bears. The Berenstain Bears are the center of one of the biggest Mandela effects to date. Many people report the family name being spelled with a E-I-N. However, it is spelled with a A-I-N. Now, spelling wouldn't be much of debate, except for it completely changes the enunciation. People say it's Berenstain Bears, not Berenstain. However, they have always been spelled A-I-N, and is likely always will be. And that's the whole Mandela effect right there on that one. The debate over the spelling. Now, I watched this show growing up, and I do remember it being the Berenstain Bears. I don't remember it being the Berenstain Bears. What about you? How do you remember it? Are you ready for the next Mandela effect? Because it's about to get sticky. 
It's peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time. Way yeah, way yeah, way yeah, way yeah. Now there you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. Peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly. Do the peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Okay, so if you couldn't figure it out from that little intro, we are going to be talking about peanut butter. There is a brand of peanut butter called Jiffy, at least according to the Mandela effect. But hey, let's not confuse this with Jif, which is a rebranding from Big Top Peanut Butter that occurred in 1958. Those who remember Jiffy say that it is simply not Jif and they are not misremembering something. They also say that they're not mixing up the rival brand Skippy and Jif together either to create Jiffy. All they state is that there was once Jiffy peanut butter. So seriously, did you ever hear of Jiffy peanut butter? Or do you think people just have a bad memory and are mixing up other peanut butters and coming out with Jiffy? All right, guys, let's talk about everyone's favorite family board game. The one and only Monopoly. Who is this ghastly man? Ace Ventura, pet detective. And... You must be the Monopoly guy. Hey, thanks for the free parking. So the Monopoly guy is who is the center of this Mandela effect. And in case you didn't know, the Monopoly guy has a name. His name is Rich Uncle Pennybags. I'd like you to picture Rich Uncle Pennybags, or the Monopoly guy, if you will. He was always dressed in a suit, a top hat, a monocle? He did wear a monocle, didn't he? Apparently, Rich Uncle Pennybags did not wear a monocle. That's right, he was never drawn with the eyepiece. This is just something that people started to associate with him, even though he himself was never pictured with one. How do you remember the Monopoly man? Did he have a monocle to you? Because when I think about it, he did. However, when I see the game and I play it now, I know he doesn't. It's just, it's a little trippy to me. Okay, this next Mandela effect really messed with my head when I first learned. Because I learned about this in school. There's another one that I'm going to tell you about as well that I learned in school that was contrary to what it is now. Right now, we're going to talk about the Lindbergh baby. In 1932, aviator Charles Lindbergh experienced the unthinkable. His 20-month-old son was kidnapped. Now, me and so many other people remember the event remaining as a cold case. The Lindbergh baby was never seen again. However, that's not what happened. Sadly, the toddler's body was found a little more than two months after the initial kidnapping took place. In fact, according to an autopsy report, the child had been killed by a blow to the head not very long after he was initially abducted. This is under heavy debate. You see, people like me and hundreds of thousands of others remember being told in school that this was a cold case. And it's not just run-of-the-mill everyday people that believe this. Maybe it's time for Stewie to start potty training. Jeez, isn't he a little young for that? You know what happened to the Lindbergh baby? Charles, he's only six months old. Honey, would you relax? God, I, I flew across the Atlantic by myself. I'm a national treasure, for God's sake. I think I know how to... Ah! Oh, God! Oh, 
God! Oh, God! All right. He was kidnapped. You call the police. I'll write the ransom note. What? What about Amelia? She saw everything. You leave her to me. As you hear, Family Guy was under the impression as well that the Lindbergh baby had never been found. So how do you remember this case? Did you think the Lindbergh baby was a cold case too? Or did you know that the baby had been discovered just two months after he disappeared? A lot of Mandela effects do revolve around spelling. Which brings me to our next one. Bet you didn't know you would be involved in a spelling bee this episode, did you? Our next contestant is Peter Griffin. Peter, your word is tree. Can you use it in a sentence, please? There is a tree by the lake. Huh. Can you use it in a dirty sentence? I like to bring transient hookers to the old oak tree where I asphyxiate myself at the same time I'm watching them have sex with each other. T-R-E-E, tree. Correct. And now it's time for your word. I would like for you to spell the Flintstones. That's right, I just want you to spell Flintstones. You know, that popular Stone Age family show? The correct way to spell Flintstones is F-L-I-N-T-S-T-O-N-E-S. However, many people say that this is simply not true. That it is F-L-I-N-S-T-O-N-E-S. Now, if you ask me, I think this is just chalked up to people misspelling it. I mean, it's really hard to hear the difference between Flintstones and Flintstones. Did you hear it? So the question remains, 2T or not 2T? I honestly don't know why I made that joke. Oh, that's horrible. Let's move along. Okay, here's another one that I'm pretty sure a lot of you millennials will appreciate. This is another animated Mandela Effect oddity. Bugs Bunny and his crew are all members of the Looney Tunes family. So right now, if you will, imagine seeing the Looney Tunes logo. That's all, folks. If you're seeing Looney Tunes in your mind, how are you spelling tunes? Is it T-O-O-N-S? You know, like cartoons? Or is it T-U-N-E-S? You know, like music tunes? Well, it is T-U-N-E-S. Yep, Looney Tunes like the music. So I always did think that it was T-O-O-N-S. And several years ago when I noticed that it wasn't spelled that way, it just irked me. Now, I didn't get bothered because of the simple fact that I remembered it one way and that's not how I saw it. I got bothered because whoever ran marketing for the name of the show really missed an opportunity there. I mean, seriously, Looney Tunes, like cartoons, haha, play on words. So for me, it was more so of what I felt looked right. I'm not sure if it was what I really remembered, though. What about you, though? Did you think that it was Looney Tunes or Looney Tunes? I don't even know which one was which. You can decide. Okay, for the next Mandela effect, we've got to get a little spooky. That's right, we are talking about Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters is an American paranormal and documentary reality TV series. 
The original series aired from October 6, 2004 until October 26, 2016 on Sci-Fi. The program featured Jason Haas and Grant Wilson who founded the Atlantic Paranormal Society, aka TAPS. This was a team of paranormal investigators that would go in and investigate places that were reported to be haunted. Now here is the Mandela Effect. People say they remember the show being originally called TAPS, not Ghost Hunters. Now a few years ago, I got to meet and hang out with Steve Gonzalez. Real cool guy, went and had a few drinks, ate some food, and I told him that Ghost Hunters happens to be in the center of a Mandela Effect. When I told him that people believed it was originally called TAPS, he kind of laughed. When I asked him about the laugh, he said, I just find it humorous because that's our name, so I can see the mix-up as their name was TAPS, which was short for the Atlantic Paranormal Society. But he did state that the show was always known as Ghost Hunters. Jason Hawes, former co-lead investigator for Ghost Hunters, founded a paranormal support group called Rhode Island Paranormal Society in 1990. In his book, Ghost Hunting, True Stories of Unexplained Phenomena from the Atlantic Paranormal Society, Hawes writes about rips, saying, it wasn't a ghost hunting organization, at least not at first. It was more of a support group. I was trying to connect with people who had gone through experiences similar to mine. Those experiences included seeing things. He said, Usually it started with a mist, out of which emanated a dim light, and then out of the light came other things, including see-through animals and full-body human apparitions. They terrified him, but the support group and bizarrely eating green olives helped him feel less crazy. During the early days of RIPS, Hawes received a call from someone offering to improve their website for free. That person turned out to be Grant Wilson. After a period of working together, Hawes and Wilson wanted to develop a more rational approach to investigating paranormal activity, something that relied less on emotions and more on science and logic. The duo formed the Atlantic Paranormal Society, TAPS, which was the start of what would eventually grow into the ghost hunters made famous on television. Okay, this next Mandela effect revolves around one of the world's most famous singers. Now, you may not listen to her music, but I'm pretty sure you know her name. Ladies and gentlemen, Barbara Streisand. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. So here's the Mandela effect. How does Barbara Streisand spell Barbara? According to the major memories on the Mandela Effect website, in this reality, it is B-A-R-B-R-A. -R -R they say that Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, -R -R -A, is a common typo, but it doesn't explain all the alternate memories that people have where this spelling is used. But how do you remember it being spelled? For me, I really did think that it was B-A-R-B-A-R-A, -R -R -A, but I don't listen to her music and I don't seek out a lot of stuff with her, so I don't see her name that often. So if I'm just remembering, I would think it was spelled Barbara, not Barbara. What about you, though? How did you remember it? Hey, when's the last time you went to church, buddy? Well, we're about to go there right now. 1949, a bold and dynamic young preacher set out on a journey that would have an impact on every continent for generations to come. For more than 50 years, and to more than 210 million people, Billy Graham has passionately spoken about the certainty of hope found in Jesus Christ. 
There are many things about God that I don't understand or comprehend. I accept his revelation of himself by That's right. We are going to talk about Billy Graham. William Franklin Graham Jr. was an American evangelist, a prominent evangelical Christian figure, and an ordained Southern Baptist minister. He became well-known internationally in the late 1940s. One of his biographers even placed him as being, quote, among the most influential Christian leaders of the 20th century. So basically, a lot of people know his name. So you think a lot of people would know when he passed away. Well, you'd be surprised to learn that though you can find it on Google, it is up for debate. In case I confused you, let me catch you up to speed. Billy Graham died February 21st, 2018. However, there are people who state this is simply just not true. You see, according to them, they remember seeing a televised funeral for Billy Graham. But it's not certain if it was the late 90s or the early 2000s that this occurred. So to the listeners I have out there that know who Billy Graham is, were you shocked to hear in 2018 that Billy Graham had passed away because you swore he already had? Or is 2018 the only memory you have of Billy Graham passing away? I'm genuinely curious, so let me know. Ought to say, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I wish you could see this great sight that we see from this platform as hundreds and hundreds of young people and older people alike are coming. You can make that same commitment where you are in your hotel room, in your living room, in your bedroom, or perhaps at a bar somewhere. I had a man just two days ago tell me he accepted Christ at a bar watching one of these telecasts, and it changed his life. That could happen to you. I don't know about you, but that's enough church for me right now. Let's move forward to the next Mandela effect. Let's talk Star Wars. My master will be most pleased with this discovery. I am sure by now you know the iconic line. If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me to kill him. No, I am your father. That's right. No, I am your father. Or was it Luke? I'm your father. Well, we clearly just heard no. So although we clearly just heard no, I am your father, which is from the original audio, many people, including James Earl Jones himself, believe that that line was Luke, I am your father. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side. When I first saw the dialogue that said, Luke, I am your father, I said to myself, he's lying. I wonder how they're going to play that lie out. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am the father. Say what? So what do you remember the line being? Are you with James Earl Jones and many other people and swear that it was Luke, I am your father? Or are you one of the people who originally and always heard, no, I am your father? 
Now this one for me is a little tricky. I can kind of remember hearing Luke, I am your father, but at the same time, I genuinely don't know if I only think that because I have seen people say that's what it was and seen so much merchandise with Luke, I am your father. So maybe the memory is just clouded for me because you can buy a lot of merchandise that states, Luke, I am your father. Now, I don't know what side you're on on the I am your father debacle, but I have another Star Wars Mandela effect that may leave you scratching your head because when I found this one out, I was flabbergasted. Let's talk about C-3PO. I'm not sure this floor is entirely stable. Oh, hello. I don't believe we have been introduced. R2-D2, a pleasure to meet you. I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. I beg your pardon, but what do you mean, naked? My parts are showing. My goodness. <laughs> now it's time for some listener participation. I need you to close your eyes and picture C-3PO. I am sure you are imagining a golden humanoid android, correct? Well, let me tell you about the Mandela effect involved with C-3PO. Would you be shocked to learn that he is not all gold? Because I fucking was. Seriously, C-3PO has a silver leg and has apparently had it the entire time. And hey, if this is the first you're hearing of it, don't worry, you're not alone. A lot of people are just now learning this. See, the thing is, there's a lot of residue. Yeah, a lot of memorabilia for Star Wars doesn't even feature C-3PO's silver leg. So needless to say, it's quite a surprise to several fans who have seen all of the films, yet they have never noticed this distinct feature. There is a whole website page dedicated to this Mandela effect. You can look up the Mandela effect C-3PO's silver leg and you will be greeted by this. A fan goes in detail about the moment they learn that C-3PO does indeed have a silver leg. And it is a roller coaster of emotions. Especially if it's your first time discovering the same information. I do believe they think I am some sort of god. I don't know about you, but I really did not remember C-3PO having a silver leg. And definitely not the whole time. My god! The whole time, the whole time, you would, the whole time. So what do you think? Is that just a bad memory on me and many, many other people? Or is something weird going on there? Has he always had a silver leg? I mean, really, has he? Let's move on to another cinematic discrepancy. Apparently, we all remember Snow White and the Seven Dwarves incorrectly. <laughs> Is it? Why, it, it, it's a girl! Who could forget the iconic line that the evil queen says? Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Well, apparently most of us forgot it. Because that is not what she fucking says. Yeah, for real. Hold on a second. Let me roll the clip. Magic mirror 
from the farther space. Through wind and darkness, I summon thee. Speak. Let me see thy face. What wouldst thou know, my queen? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty. But hold, a lovely maid I see. And there you go. You heard it with your very own ear holes. The line is magic mirror on the wall. So why do we walk around saying mirror, mirror on the wall? Is it because we're idiots? I think it's because we're idiots. It's okay. It's okay. I'm an idiot. I'm going to admit it. Hello. My name is Harmony. I'm an idiot. I know someone out there is nodding their head along with me and that's okay. Air high five. We agree. Let's go ahead and move to the next Mandela effect. This one I'm going to need you to... Picture a color for me. Chartreuse. Such a lovely shade of pink, red, magenta, fuchsia? Oh, wait, no, I mean greenish yellow. That's right, there is a divide about whether or not chartreuse is in the green family or the reddish pink family. I'm here to tell you that it is actually a yellow green color. Yeah, so a lot of people remember or think this color is a pinkish red. That's just simply not the case. And honestly, if I think of the word chartreuse, I associate it with a color. And that color just happens to be on the pink-red scale. I don't know if this could correlate with other people, but there is a phenomena that does associate the mind where words can be colors. And maybe a lot of us are just suffering from that and didn't realize it. But as an artist who uses colors, I genuinely did not have any idea that chartreuse was a yellow-green until a few years ago. Mainly because I've just never come across the color, at least not that I could remember. But what about you? Did you think that chartreuse was reddish-pink? Or did you imagine that greenish-yellow? As you guys know, I am in Florida, so you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take a trip to Disney World. Welcome to all of the magic and all of the wonder of Walt Disney World Resort. And just imagine, you're gonna be right here in the middle of everything. All right, so here we are walking into the Magic Kingdom. Where is Cinderella's castle? Today, Cinderella's castle sits in the Magic Kingdom just beyond Main Street. This is an iconic symbol of the park. Now, you may recall that Cinderella's castle is just beyond Main Street. However, many people remember that Cinderella's castle used to be where you entered into the Magic Kingdom. The problem is the castle has always been in the same exact spot and was never located near the admission turnstiles. I myself have only gone to Disney two times in my life. One when I was very, very young. And it was a pretty rough experience, but I do remember the castle was nowhere near the turnstiles when you walk in. There was a lot less at the time because I just went a few years ago and a lot more has built up. So I can see that if it's been a long time and you go to a place and there's new attractions, it might seem like it's no longer as close as it was. That's just because you're more distracted and you don't realize it's just the same distance. There's just more things occupying your attention. But what do you remember? 
Was the castle right there when you walked in, or did you have to go through Main Street to get to it? Now, let's talk history. Specifically, let's talk about Henry VIII. Divorce, beheaded, and died. Divorce, beheaded, survived. I'm Henry VIII, I had six sorry wives. Some might say I ruined their lives. Henry VIII is perhaps best known for his six marriages. But history buffs also recall an infamous portrait of the monarch standing with a turkey leg in one hand. The issue with this portrait is it's never existed. There is absolutely zero evidence today of Henry VIII ever holding this turkey leg despite widespread alternate memory of this exact portrait existing. So here's my question for you. Do you ever remember seeing this portrait of Henry? Part of me feels like I have, but I've also seen some weird things on the internet. So maybe I can just imagine seeing it. But I'd love to know if you think that you have seen this portrait of him. Now I can vaguely remember learning about Henry VIII in school because he's just not somebody that comes up in my adult life. And I know that I saw some portraits of him as that is exactly how pictures were taken back then, you know, paintings. But I can't say in all 100% certainty that I have ever truly seen this portrait. Have you? If you were alive for a historical event, would you be able to accurately remember the date of said event? This brings me to our next Mandela effect. Looks like a couple of the uh, solid rocket boosters uh, blew away from the side of the shuttle in an explosion. very carefully at the situation obviously a major malfunction we're awaiting word they're holding their breath just i'm sure as everyone else is in the center of the fire and the smoke you can't see any form of what was once the shuttle you saw it just a few moments ago about 45 seconds after liftoff, a huge fireball in the sky. We have a report from the flight dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. Flight director confirms that. We are looking at uh, checking with the recovery forces to see uh, what can be done at this point. When the Challenger space shuttle exploded just about 73 seconds after liftoff, it shocked the world. The date of this tragic event is constantly contested. With memories of it occurring in 1983, 1984, or 1985, when it in fact happened on January 28, 1986. It is stated that it's very possible that these alternate memories exist because the Space Shuttle Challenger had experienced successful missions previously, including its initial launch in 1983. Now, this isn't the only thing that I have found that centers around the Challenger explosion. There is something else I learned about it that would leave you questioning a lot of reality. If you would like me to tell you guys about the conspiracy that is all about the Challenger explosion, send me an email. Maybe I will. So back to this actual Mandela effect. When do you remember it being? What were you taught? Were you alive? I myself was not even born yet. I was born that year, but not until far later on. But what about you? When do you remember the Challenger explosion? 
Let's go ahead and move along to the next Mandela effect. Oh yeah, I got a lot of these, and I'm not even going to be able to tell you all of them in this episode. This one may leave you in a state of confusion. <laughs> You're going to appreciate that joke in a minute. It's pretty punny. How many states are in the United States of America? The names of all 50 states and their capitals. Okay. Now, you may have said that there are 50 states, but there are a host of people who remember being taught at one time or another that there are in fact 52 states in the United States. This is as opposed to the reality of just 50. Now, the belief is that people are often confusing the two U.S. territories like Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. Either way, this is one of the biggest Mandela effects as well. Let's go ahead and keep this Mandela effect train going and move on to our next one. sorry, were you wanting to sing of the world at the end there? Don't worry, this is the Mandela effect. So many people say that of the world has been removed. Here, does this sound better? became an accepted notion that lead singer Freddie Mercury passionately ends the song by singing of the world. However, that is not at all what happens in the recording as evident by the song lyrics. Now you did just hear Freddie Mercury sing of the world at the end of We Are The Champions, however. And this is why I think this one is alluded to memory. In the actual recording of the released song, it is not ended with of the world. However, Freddie would sometimes at certain concerts while singing live end the song with singing of the world. So this one I think can be right either way. So either way, you can sing it with of the world or sing it without because that's exactly what Freddie did. Oh shit, sorry, wrong Freddie, wrong Freddie. Even though that wasn't the correct Freddy that I wanted to close out the last Mandela effect with, it works perfectly to introduce this next one. Because we're going to talk about a horror movie. Well, a horror comedy movie. This next Mandela effect has to do with the 1984 cult classic, Gremlins. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? No, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. So those who saw the movie remember the name of the villainous gremlin differently. 
Some say his name was Stripe, while others insist his name was Spike. So what do you think his name was? Was it Stripe or was it Spike? Well, for those of you that are playing along at home, it was indeed Stripe. Is this news to you or did you already know that? Let's go ahead and move along to our next Mandela effect. All right, guys, it's time to strip down and talk about underwear. That's right, not even your nibbly bits are safe from the Mandela effect. Well, at least what covers those nibbly bits. What am I wearing? Um, a hat and glasses? What kind of underwear? Um, I don't know. Big underwear, I guess? I'm sorry, what? Oh, what would I do to you? Well, um, I guess maybe we'd get pizza and we could watch House. All right, I am totally flaccid, but thank you anyway, ma'am. I appreciate your time. So let's talk about your undergarments. Fruit of the Loom is known for some pretty iconic commercials. These commercials feature actors dressed up in some ridiculous fruit costumes. Girls, I bought a lot of underwear for my boys, and every year I pick Fruit of the Loom. Surprise, Emma! Hiya, cutie. <laughs> I save every time I buy Fruit of the Loom briefs. Big value for your money. Right on. Only a dollar. The Superband waistband. That's real quality. That a girl ever. For my boys and my money, fruit makes the best pickings. <laughs> boys cotton briefs. Only a dollar. A great buy in briefs. Now I'm just going to swing right past the, the price jump that has happened in underwear and get to the Mandela effect. Okay, so picture for me, if you will, the Fruit of the Loom logo. You know, that classic logo with the cornucopia and the fruit kind of pouring out and then Fruit of the Loom right underneath that. Except that is not the logo at all. The Fruit of the Loom logo is simply just fruit. It does have Fruit of the Loom underneath that, but it's never had a cornucopia. A lot of people say this mix-up could be because of Thanksgiving and somehow, you know, the cornucopias we see in that decor spilled into our undergarments. Who knows? I don't get it. I don't see the correlation there. But I do remember swearing there was a cornucopia in the Fruit of the Loom logo. So what about you? Do you remember the cornucopia? Or has it always just been fruit for you? Now let's talk about one of the biggest TV shows to be affected by the Mandela effect. HBO TV series would go on to spawn two feature films following the exploits of four best friends living and loving in New York City. But here is where I need listener participation. What is the name of this TV show? Is it Sex in the City or Sex and the City? You see, there are fans who swear the pilot episode of the series was titled Sex in the City. Just like a few of the past Mandela effects I've mentioned in this episode, there is residue of it being called Sex in the City. However, the title has always been Sex and the City. 
In love relationships, there is a fine line between pleasure and pain. In fact, it's a common belief that a relationship without pain is a relationship not worth having. To some, pain implies growth. But how do we know when the growing pains stop and the pain pains take over? Are we masochists or optimists if we continue to walk that fine line? When it comes to relationships, how do you know when enough is enough? Let's go ahead and talk about a household product that is not a sponsor of this podcast. And that is Febreze. We asked real people if they'd help us with an experiment for Febreze fabric refresher. $50? Hell yeah! They agreed. You guys aren't going to try and touch my butthole, right? What do you smell? Lilac. Clean. That's semen. Oh my god. Where am I? Like children's blankets. Floral. Light floral. I smell blood too. I smell semen and blood. Oh my god. Are we in Jersey? A little bit beachy. If I take this blindfold off, do I still get the $50? Okay, take your blindfolds off. Yep, this is Jersey, all right. A lot of people use Febreze day-to-day in their homes. This product is intended to eliminate unpleasant odors and replace them with a fresh, breezy scent. Now, it's no shock that plenty of people know what Febreze is. But what is shocking is the Mandela effect that centers around Febreze itself and that is the spelling. You will find plenty of people who swear it is, or at least at one time, was spelled Febreze with two E's. However, in this reality, the stuff is Febreze with one E. People swear that there were even commercials where it said, it's the one with two E's. So what about you? Do you remember Febreze ever having two E's? Breathe happy, guaranteed. You guys are paying me double for this, you know that, right? Let's go ahead and jump back into the cinematic universe of Mandela Effects. For this Mandela Effect, we're going to look back on Forrest Gump. If you ask anyone to quote the iconic line, you will often get, Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. However, this is not what Forrest says. Let's just go ahead and uh, roll the clip. Hello, my name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. Do you want a chocolate? I could eat about a million and a half of these. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So as you hear in the clip, Forrest says life was like a box of chocolates. This does not mean that you cannot find memorabilia everywhere of life is like a box of chocolates. And just about anybody you ask will even say the very same thing. So what do you remember? Was it life is like a box of chocolates or life was? Let's go ahead and stay in the cinematic universe of Mandela effects for this next one. How many times have you heard the phrase, hello Clarice, spoken in a creepy voice in reference to the silence of the lambs? In case you've never heard somebody say it or even seen the movie, let me go ahead and play a reference to it. Can I have your skin? Sure. Check this out. (laughs) Silence of the lambs. Hello, Clarice. It's good to see you again. 
Now, this has been quoted so many times and referenced a ton. However, you may be surprised to know that Anthony Hopkins never once uttered those words as Hannibal Lecter in the film. This line was supposed to have been spoken when Hannibal Lecter first meets Clarice. Let's go ahead and listen to the scene in question. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? As you can hear, he does not say, hello, Clarice. So where the fuck did we get that from? And why is that line so famous? Now let's go ahead and jump back into history for a moment to talk about our next Mandela effect. This one has to do with the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. You see that he's obviously been hit, raising his arms to his throat. The third shot, frame 232. It's Kennedy in the back pulling him downward and forward. Conley, you will notice, shows no signs at all of being hit. He is visibly holding his Stetson, which is impossible if his wrist has been shattered. Conley is turning here now, frame 238. The fourth shot, it misses Kennedy and takes Conley in the back. This is the shot that proves there were two rifles. Conley yells out, my God, they're going to kill us all. Somewhere around this time now, another shot that misses the car completely strikes James Cave down by the underpass. The car breaks. The sixth and fatal shot, frame 313, takes Kennedy in the head from the front. While traveling in Dallas, a motorcade shocked the nation. With many people to this day still reflecting on where they were the moment they heard the devastating news. Now we're not here to discuss the magic bullet theory, that's its own thing all by itself. The Mandela effect revolving around JFK's assassination has to do with how many people were in the car. Often people only remember there being four people in the car, including JFK and Jackie Kennedy. But in actuality, there were six passengers. The additional people in the car were Agent Bill Greer, Secret Service Agent Roy Kellerman, Governor John Connolly, and Nellie Connolly. If you look up the assassination video, which is fully available on YouTube, you can see that there are three rows in the car. So even with video evidence that there are six people in the car, people still argue that there were only four and it was a two-row vehicle. What about you? What do you remember? I don't know, I wasn't alive, so I'm gonna go by the footage I can see and there are clearly six people in the car. Okay, we're gonna go back to the cinematic universe for Mandela effects again. And this will be our final Mandela effect of this episode. But let's go ahead and make this a big one. Legend tells of a ring created by an ancient evil that gave its wearer the power to enslave the world. Believe lost for centuries. It has now been found. Is it secret? Is it safe? Fans of the Lord of the Rings book series were thrilled when they were turned into films. However, this film franchise has its very own Mandela effect. Gandalf is often misquoted as saying a famous line. Do you know what that line is? You shall not pass! 
fruits. That is right. He says, fly you fools, not run. Okay, that one, that one's a big one for me, guys, because I really swear I thought he said, run you fools. But I was wrong. Were you wrong? Do you remember it as run you fools or has it always been fly to you and I'm just the odd one out here? Nonetheless, I know some of you out there think that it was run you fools because it is a Mandela effect. Well guys, this brings us to the end of our episode. Those are all the Mandela effects I have for you today, but don't worry, I will make an episode in the future of more. As you'd be shocked to find out, there are hundreds. Go ahead and do a little research yourself and you may just be left scratching your head wondering, is something weird going on here? Or is my memory just really bad? I really hope you enjoyed this episode of What the Actual F. As my goal here on this podcast is to leave you every week with, what the fuck did I just listen to? Whether that's because of a crime, mystery, murder, haunting, conspiracy, or Mandela effect. I love to scour the internet and find all of these things to share with you. With that being said, guys, I hope you have a wonderful day, night, and morning. I love you all, stay safe, and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Crazy, but it ain't no lie. Bye, 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 bye.